If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com. Warning. You're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, Sean Parnell. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Battleground Live. It's great to have you here. It's the day after an election, and I have to say the the media is awash with opinions that are full-scale doom and gloom about Republican performance last night. And yes, it could have been better, but I'm here to tell you that it wasn't all that bad. And I'm going to break down some bright spots for you right now. Um, but before I do, I want to just thank Deepwell and Cabot Guns. They're both founding sponsors of this program. Deepwell is a great drilling company with locations all across the country. Go to deepwellservices.com. They are hiring right now and looking for great American patriots, not just to work on drilling sites, but they're also hiring office positions as well, marketing, social media, community outreach, whatever. Great company. They believe in American exceptionalism, and they're just great all-around people. Again, so that's deepwellservices.com. Check them out. Also, Cabot Guns make the best 1911 pistols in the entire world. And just check them out. Go online. Their guns are so pretty. They they shoot even better than they look somehow. They also have a tactical version called the Apocalypse. They're amazing. I mean, it's so difficult to get one of their guns, I mean, because they're in such high demand that they're back, they're back ordering, but they're growing like gangbusters and they should be able to handle those back orders uh, very, very, very soon. So thank you to both of them. Uh, but the election last night, I mean, Lots of people out there with a lot of pin, uh, a lot of opinions. In fact, I was one of those people. Uh, we've got Savage Rich Barris, a Rich Barris, aka Savage Rich, aka the People's Pundit, aka what I like to call probably the best pollster in the entire business. Uh, so he's going to come on. He's going to give his opinion on this show today. Uh, I actually was texting back and forth with him uh, last night because he was doing live election night coverage, which, by the way, is pretty, pretty awesome. And he just texted me. He's like, hey, you want to come on and talk about Pennsylvania? And this was like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm like, well, uh, the kids are in bed, so let's do this. So I went on uh, his show last night uh, from basically 11 p.m. until midnight to just unpack everything that happened in the election. Now, again, we lost, Republicans lost some critical races, especially in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, but it wasn't all bad. And let me first tell you about uh, Western Pennsylvania. Um, Western Pennsylvania is what I like to call the Western Wall. Um, it's a heavily Democrat area and um, heavily Democrat area and or a heavily Republican era. Sorry, I'm having some some issues here. I got to make sure I get uh, Rich Barris the information to get on the show here. Um, let me see if I can handle this real quickly. Um, anyways, okay. So Western Pennsylvania, see if they can figure all that out while I'm doing this. Ay, ay, ay. 
Um, Western Pennsylvania is a heavily Republican area. It's a critically important area if Republicans are, go- Republicans are going to win statewide. The area in Western Pennsylvania, Allegheny County, it's where I ran for Congress. Uh, the district that I ran in was a district called Pennsylvania's 17th Congressional District. Now, that district did not have the city of Pittsburgh in in it, right? The city of Pittsburgh was in another district that ended up being like D plus 30. Um, Pennsylvania 17 had about 85% of Allegheny County in and around the city of Pittsburgh. Um, so it, it PA 17 was known as a swing district, what they call even across the board. So when I'd say D plus eight or R plus eight, it gives you a sense of how Republican or how Democrat a district is. R plus one is very, very close. R plus two, uh, a little bit more favorable for Republicans. And as that number climbs, as that number climbs, uh, the more favorable it becomes. So Pennsylvania 17 in 2020 was about even, but it's still a real difficult place to win, especially now with all these mail-in ballots that we're dealing with right now on the Republican side of the House. Um, anyway, so last night there were two races I want to tell you about in Western Pennsylvania. And the reason why they're important uh, is because leading into 2024, it could really spell just great success or foreshadow great success for President Trump and uh, who is Dave McCormick, who it looks like right now is running without a primary for U.S. Senate in Pennsylvania. And again, I talk about Pennsylvania because it's the linchpin to everything for Republicans. If Republicans win state the state of Pennsylvania in 2024, it's very, very likely that they will carry the presidency and the, and get the majority in the Senate if they win everywhere else they're supposed to win. So anyway. So there were two races. There was Allegheny County executive race and the Allegheny County executive race encompassed all of Allegheny County. So not just the city of Pittsburgh, again, heavily Democrat D plus 30 area, but also all of all of uh, Allegheny County surrounding the actual city. So the suburbs of Allegheny County, again, very, very difficult race for Republicans to win. Uh, In fact, Democrats outnumber Republicans by almost a three to one margin in Allegheny County. So there was that race uh, between. Sarah Emirato and Joe Rocky. And there is the district attorney race in the city of Pittsburgh, um, which is between um, Zapala and Dugan. Now, Zapala was the Republican. Dugan was the Soros funded radical Democrat that, you know, was campaigned on releasing violent criminals back in back onto the streets, essentially making Pittsburgh into Philadelphia. Now, that Allegheny County executive race was separated as of right now. I mean, it's that Sarah Emirato won that race, right? As the Democrat. Now she's a radical socialist. That's going to be terrible for Allegheny County on so many different levels. But the race was unbelievably close. Joe Rocky only lost that race by three points, I think 8,000 votes. In Allegheny County, I mean, listen. That contains the city of Pittsburgh. When was the last time a Republican won in any city ever, right? It's very, very rare. Joe Rocky almost won. Feeling pretty. He almost won that race. And um, um, he almost won that race. Being totally fine. Um, oh, he's texting people. That ain't um, right. I hear Rich. I hear Rich in my ear in my earphones right now. So I, I'm going to bring Rich on in a second. Um, but Joe, but Joe Rocky uh, almost won that race in Allegheny County. But but Zap, Zapala won as a Republican. And the reason why he won is that he used to be a Democrat. So I think what ended up happening was you had moderate Democrats voting for him as well as Republicans who were voting for him. But that was enough to put him over the top, thereby saving Pittsburgh from a radical Democrat socialist, uh, socialist Soros funded DA. So. So those are two very bright spots in the Western Wall that I'd like to say that really, you know, I think make the state more favorable for President Trump moving forward, especially the statewide for Republicans moving forward, especially if you're a Republican and you have Western Pennsylvania. Now, also, uh, there was a uh, Supreme Court case in Pennsylvania uh, uh, that, again, Republicans lost statewide. But in Erie County, which is a bellwether county in Pennsylvania, uh, the Republican won that county by 1.1 percentage point. I think it was R plus 1.1 as of right this moment. Um, uh 
So, so that's a very bright spot as well. Now, Erie County is historically a Democrat county. Trump won it by a few thousand votes in 2016. Obviously, he won the state in 2016. With Trump off the ballot, the Republican congressman where that where Erie County was part of his district lost Erie County by 18,000 votes. So it gives you a sense of just how powerful Trump is when he's on the ballot and how he drives voter turnout and how that benefits down ballot candidates. Going into 2020, with all these mail-in ballots, Trump barely lost Erie County by a couple thousand votes. Well, now here we are, flash forward to an off-cycle race in 2023. Republicans are winning Erie County. This is going to be very, very, very important moving forward. Okay, so that's Pennsylvania. Um, again, Republicans lost some of the important races there, but they won a very, very important one as a district attorney, again, in the city of Pittsburgh in a D-plus-30 city of Pittsburgh, which is that's a big deal for, for those of us who go into the city of Pittsburgh or live within close proximity of Pittsburgh and don't don't want to go into the city to get mugged. So huge deal there. Um, also, you talk about Virginia because the media and we're going to talk about all this with Savage Rich as well. Um, but the media is 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 talking about Virginia as if it's doom and gloom. And, and yes, Republicans lost the state house in Virginia, lost the state Senate in Virginia. But what's often left out of the coverage was the redistricting that took place in Virginia, uh, the redistricting that took place prior to Glenn Youngking win winning as, as governor. So at, when, when Democrats redistricted Virginia, it was everybody knew it was just conventional wisdom that Virginia was going to flip, that Democrats were going to take the state house and the Senate at some point because Democrats controlled the redistricting process and drew districts that were favorable to them. Now, again, awash with opinions blaming Virginia and blaming all these losses on Trump, blaming Virginia on Yunkin. Uh, the reality is, is that the Democrats rigged the game with the redistricting process prior to Glenn Youngkin even winning his race. And so, but here's the takeaway, okay? They drew those districts very, very favorable in Virginia for Democrats. But what the media is not telling you, and for some reason, Republicans aren't doing a great job of talking to you about this either, but Republicans won every district in Virginia up to Biden plus eight. Now, that is statistically significant where you have you have Republicans winning state legislative districts in Biden, Democrat plus eight districts. Again, these are districts that Joe Biden carried by eight points. Republicans won them. Everything D plus nine over Biden plus nine over Democrats won. But they again, they rigged the redistricting process. So you see my point, right? It wasn't all bad. Yes, we lost a governor's race. Uh, Cameron lost a governor's race in Kentucky, but it was a really, really close race. And Trump's endorsement, despite the media, uh, you know, hyperventilating about uh, hyperventilating about uh, how MAGA is done and Trump's endorsement doesn't mean anything. It actually helped Cameron quite a bit in that in that race, close the gap in the month prior to the race. So, OK, so a popular Democrat incumbent won, but we won. Republicans won all the down ballot races in in Kentucky. So, again, we lost the top of the ticket, but we won everywhere else. And we also won, I, I believe we won in Mississippi with Tate Reeves. Yeah, look, Tate Reeves won for governor and held on to his gubernatorial seat uh, in Mississippi. So it wasn't all bad. Right. And uh, I, I just I want you to to know that there is hope moving forward. And when we talk about these races by the numbers, and we'll, again, bring Rich on in a couple of minutes to go through the data and the polling, and he's got great takes on all of this stuff, um, it, there's hope for Republicans. And the idea, I want to be very clear about something about, about President Trump. People are lying to you about Trump and him hurting down ballot candidates. The opposite is true. Trump drives voter, he drives turnout in a way that I've not seen any Republican candidate be able to replicate. That's just the truth. And and sometimes it actually oftentimes it helps Republicans in, in down ballot races. Now, if you're a Republican running in a Democrat, you know, plus district, maybe it doesn't help so much. But in the vast majority of races, Trump at the top of the ticket helps immensely. And, and I and I mean that. The, I mean, Toomey's Senator Toomey in, in 2016 is a perfect example of this. Trump got an aggregate more votes statewide in the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania than Toomey. Right? He won. He he got more votes than Senator Toomey. But 
he because he drew out this crazy cross section of voters, non traditional voters. I mean, I think that was what got Senator Toomey across the finish line in 2016. So here, it's a perfect example of how Trump benefited, you know, Senator Toomey, and they could not be more different politically. But I think Senator Toomey owes his what second or third ter term to President Trump precisely because he drives voter turnout. So don't believe the narrative that Trump can't win. Don't believe the narrative that Trump hurts down ballot candidates, except for in the rarest of circumstances, because again, of course, in Democrat districts, he's probably not going to be as popular as, as he is in Republican districts. But Trump is the most electrifying and popular political figure in my lifetime. And Commander Melanie and I, my wife Melanie and I were talking about this. So Reagan was very popular. He's wildly popular. But sometimes I don't like the comparisons of Trump versus Reagan because, you know, Reagan is as amazing as he was. And I, I used to watch his speeches growing up and just be just captivated by the, the quality of his speaking and how it just stirred this deep sense of longing and love and abiding love of America. Uh, Ronald Reagan was a great communicator and he was clearly a special president, but he was president at a very different time in America. Yes, the media leaned left when Ronald Reagan was in office, but the media today are brazen commies wholly in the tank of the Democrat Party that do not tell you the truth all, they, they never tell you the truth. You know, in Reagan, Democrats back when Reagan was president were far different than Democrats today. Dem the new Democrat Party are filled with communists who want to tear America down brick by brick. The Democrats back when Reagan was president were somebody that you could maybe work with and meet in the middle and do what you thought was best on behalf of the American people. I often wonder, would Trump have been as widely beloved as Ronald Reagan if Trump had run in the 80s and won as president in the 1980s? I think probably he would be. It was just a saner time in this country. Democrats weren't as radical and the media weren't lapdogs for the Democrats. It was just a different time altogether. But so I don't want to talk anymore. I've got a great expert here with me. We've got Savage Rich Barris here. Uh, let's bring him on the show. Uh, so without further ado, Rich, where are you, buddy? There you are. What's up, man? Hey, you did a really good job. I mean, with Virginia, I think that's important to note that everything up to Biden plus eight was won by the Republicans. Owen really underperformed, uh, even though that's that district, because you got to think about Susanna Gibson being, uh, you know, outed for, uh, I mean, basically, I mean, Sean, she was having sex for tokens online. Yeah. I mean, you know, but he was a coward. <laughs> he was a coward with how he dealt with it. You know, he was like, this is against Virginia law and revenge porn law does not cover when you put up the point yourself for the public to see, stupid. So if it was me, I mean, I would have went brutal on her. They would have went brutal on you or I. I mean, if that was- Oh my us, God, it's so it's so true. It's so We'd true. Side of uh, public transportation and on billboards and all our glory. Let's get real. All right. Okay. <laughs> I, I got to ask you a question. Sticker, but so, you know, I call, I call you savage. Okay. Now I, I call you savage, but you know who else is savage? Laura, your wife, your commander, um, she th th yeah. she put out this tweet last night, and I I don't want to put her on the spot or anything like that, but it was just epic, and it was so funny because she's clearly a feisty fighter. Um, yeah. if, and since we're talking about uh, Susanna Gibson, she says, if it holds, this will be the one and only time Susanna Gibson goes down and doesn't enjoy it or get paid for it. Oh, my <laughs> gosh, Laura Barris for the win. <laughs> Holy smokes. That was got some. She, that. That's a that's that's a hot take, man. That's a hot take. When when I saw that, I like saw you know that she retweeted me, and when I saw that, I was like, you know, we're packing it up and getting ready to end for the night, and I'm just like, oh snap, <laughs> that one's gonna she, that one's over the top. Women can get away with she, a lot more than we can. She went there. She went there. She and did. so wait, are you wearing are you wearing a jacket on my show? Can I take it off? Look at you. Can you? I, I I encourage you to do so. I mean, I, oh, this is you are you are very formal. Hey, look at what you got behind you. You got little like in, you building a studio there. I told you there's a lot of work going on over here. What's really cool is with the chroma key, um, you know, as long as I'm not wearing a black jacket like I just was, uh, with the chroma key, we'll be able to shoot, <laughs> you know, widen the shot and then show people maps. That's the goal. Project it onto – this is uh, soundproofing, of course, but because it's all one color, uh, well, above us, there will be a little bit of white. I need a little bit of flavor, you know, but, um, you know, th this is definitely what we've been trying to do for a while and moving stuff around and – you know, I just uh, it, it, we're behind the ball because there's so much always going on, brother. And, you so know, true. it's 
you got to get it done in between. I got to get the rest of the wall uh, probably either later tonight, you know, or tomorrow. But um, yeah, it's going to be cool. I'm pretty stoked about what we have coming. We have somebody building out an API for the graphics we were showing last night. The API is already built, but the graphics taking the stuff in. Uh, you saw some of the race calls that come up when someone wins. Yes. It automatically triggers it. Uh, that will be into, I mean, there will essentially be no reason for anybody to watch Fox News or CNN during election night. That's our plan. We're even going to have a lot more information than those networks have anyway. So it'll be a place for people to come that really just want to hear what the results are, Sean, and what they mean. No, you know, nonsense. Uh, I was on Dr. Gorka before, and they, when they called the race for President Trump in 16, the faces, Sean, the face, they just won't oh, be yeah. Look, Biden wins, he wins. Trump wins, he wins. We're going to tell you why that is, you know, and like we did last night in Pennsylvania. And very incredible with Erie County. Um, there's a lot of good news when you really drill down in there. The bad news is that what you said before is true. They cannot turn out votes without Trump at the, on the top of the ballot. This is a problem. And they don't have the organization and they don't have the motivation. They don't have the message and they don't have the money. And they, 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 so far, most of the money spent by big donors this cycle on the Republican side has been spent to defeat Donald Trump. And I think voters are starting to punish, they're going to punish them for this. I think we're seeing that in some places. I do. I really do. Uh, you know, I appreciate you. I, I, you know, I, I let me just so let me just jump in and say I appreciate you bringing that up. We've got I think we've got a graphic of of the money. If we have that, can we throw that yes. up there, David? The graphic of the breakdown of spending um, in yesterday's races. Do we have it? It should. Yeah, there you go. So yeah, look at is. so there you go. Look at election twenty twenty three. We talk about I've, I've I've always explained to this audience to Parnell's platoon or Battleground Live that that fundraising dollars are like bullets in your gun in combat. You run out of bullets in combat, you're dead. You run out of dollars while you're running a campaign, you're screwed. Look yeah. at look at forty seven million in the Kentucky governor's race to twenty six million for Republicans. Democrats thirty five million on the VA legislature twenty seven million for Republicans. Uh, twenty. 24 million on Ohio issue one, 16 million. I mean, so Republicans were just vastly outspent. And to your point, would our party be better served uniting around President Trump rather than infighting? I mean, clearly, clearly the infighting, I, I truly believe. I, now, look, in a primary, anybody can run in a primary. I'm not going to tell somebody not to run. This is America. If you want to run, do right. it. But you got to recognize reality. Trump is clearly the title of yesterday's episode was Trump is inevitable. But it's are they hurting the party by staying in the race longer than they should, I guess, is my question for you. Well, that, that's why when I, I think when we talk about these things and, you know, I'm, I'm being objective here, you know, I think they think this is, you know, some people, supporters of DeSantis or Haley or whoever the flavor of the day is. You know, when they hear us mm -hmm. talk like this, they think we're like attacking them or something. It's not right. That's a it's irrelevant. It's objective analysis. You are doing several things by uh, staying in a race you cannot win. And if you're being honest, you're staying in it because you're hoping he's thrown in jail. That alone, again, voters are not dumb. That alone pisses voters off. Sean, it pisses them off and they will not come out and vote for them, even if their little plan works. That's number one. Number two, you are taking money away. Resources in an election are not infinite. They are finite. And you're taking money away that even if a big donor doesn't want to give to Donald Trump specifically, they can give to other third party uh, groups that are going to be helping. Charlie is Charlie Kirk over there is trying to do his best to get the RNC's attention. Scott Pressler has been doing his best trying to get the RNC's attention. They're taking money away from those people who, by the way, Charlie's got bodies to go chase down ballots. Scott Pressler has years of experience to teach those bodies how to go chase down ballots. And instead, that money is being wasted. Third, by law, you're going to make it so Donald Trump is just going to get beat like John Kerry was beat by George Bush for months before he could pivot and respond because there are laws against uh, a, you know, primary candidates being able to fight back like that on air. That's number three. I mean, I could just keep going on and on and on. But a major thing, too, that we don't talk about is that they're endorsing the lawfare, all right? And this is, but something huh. happened today. We got a lot of calls from donors that uh, don't particularly like Donald Trump. Don't, you know, 
they're not in love with some of these other candidates, but they have kind of stayed the course for a while because they kind of believe this idea that Trump is going to be eventually unelectable. I think they're starting to see it now. When I showed them in your state, uh, Carluccio won Erie County, but uh, turnout was not great, you know, and then Democrats were able to get their votes out in places like uh, Northampton, which was always identical to Erie County, almost identical every election in recent memory. This time, I don't know what happened with those machines. I'm not even going to tell people not to be suspicious. But look, the turnout was the problem. Democrats in their areas got a higher turnout. If you look at Tate Reeves in, in Mississippi, uh, that is one race where they did spend more, but it still was not like Democrats spend when they want to win. Uh, Hine County, where Jackson the city is, uh, he, the Presley, the Democrat, was able to net 38,000 votes out of that uh, county. That's about 8,000 more than the 30 that Hood got in 19, and Biden only netted 50. Yet in Biloxi, the east side of Biloxi, which is Jackson County, not to confuse with Jackson City, Republicans should net, you know, 10,000 in an election like this easy, 15,000 uh, top line. He got seven. Tate Reeves got seven net out of Biloxi. Wow. So, I mean, it goes to show you're hurting efforts. You're endorsing lawfare. You're making the legalities of this more difficult. George Bush beat browbeat. Uh, John Kerry as a Northeastern liberal from Massachusetts, and Kerry couldn't respond for three months. And that stuck. That narrative stuck until November, and George Bush was able to eke it out with 0.2% and by taking the state of Iowa. And, you know, you can't argue that that had some impact. Most uh, sophologists like me think that, you know, so um, I do. I It's objective. It's I understand, like you said, you have a right to run. You want to run. That's of course, that's your right. Um, but do you care about your own political ambitions or do you care about your party, and if you think your party is the best fit for the country and will do better for the country, then ultimately it comes down to, do you put your own political ambitions above the health, the benefit, and the welfare of the country? That's what it comes down to. Nobody thinks you're going to win. As we were talking, Robert Bigelow told the Financial Times he's about to bounce from Ron DeSantis. He said, you know, what really got him to was how DeSantis responded to the Hamas attack on Israel. He said, I need a street fighter like Donald Trump. I think I made a mistake. You know, so he's not there I, yet, but he's going, Sean. You know what that means. And then, by the way, I, the judge in Minnesota dismissed the case to toss Trump off the ballot. I, first of all, Rich, I agree with That's everything you say. Big news. I mean, I I complete. It is. It's that's huge news. And you're you're absolutely right that the longer Republicans stay in, hoping that Trump is either kicked off a ballot in a swing state or or worse yet, uh, thrown in prison, it does give it does legitimize these fake prosecutions and this Absolutely. lawfare against President Trump. And the Republican Party would be much better served uniting behind President Trump and say, no, this is a line that you will not cross because not only is this going to affect President Trump, I mean, clearly it's affecting more than him now. They're going after his allies, but it's something that will absolutely and is already being weaponized against the American people, first with the January Sixers, but then against all of us. But I want to ask you about this video um, with uh, Kim Reynolds, and, and I want to show yep. you this video and get your reaction. But you and I talked about it briefly on your show last night during uh, – I think the 11 o'clock hour and, and your what what I thought was great election coverage, by the way. Thank um, you. Thanks this video with, with. Oh, you're welcome. You're welcome. I, I, you and Laura are the best. Um, but but this video with Ron DeSantis and Kim Reynolds, who is the governor of Iowa, it really bothered me on a lot of levels. And yeah. just the smugness of the overall video, her facial expressions during, throughout the process. But uh, if we have that video, David, let's go ahead and roll the tape and Rich will get your reaction afterwards. What is your relationship like now with the former president? Well, you know, I assume it's, it's, well, I don't know. I really can't tell you. That's probably a question for him. Have you spoken with him recently? No, I haven't. When's the last time? Probably the last time he called to ask if I would endorse him, and I said I wasn't at this point. So that's the last time that I spoke to him. And he clearly wasn't happy with that. I mean, look. Well, I think we need to focus on what's important, and that's winning this election. And so I'm not looking backwards. We're looking forward. And uh, that's, that's what we should be focused well, on. Rich, your reaction to all of that? 
Well, first and foremost, they made it out like he, like, you know, took a tantrum after she didn't endorse. For people who don't know the history here, <laughs> Kim Reynolds was going to lose, like the man she's sitting next to. She was not even going to make it through the primary. She was going down. She was so far behind that even after Donald Trump endorsed her, she barely eked out a three-point win. So Donald Trump did not call begging for her endorsement, which the DeSantis war, war Room or whatever tweeted up saying, such an embarrassing moment. <laughs> no, it's an embarrassing moment for her. She showed she She's a, not a, a loyal person. He called asking for reciprocity, which is how this game works in politics. You know that. Somebody backs you, and this is beyond politics. Somebody supports you, supports your family, supports your professional career. You know, you, you don't throw them under the bus. I mean, Sean, unless you're, you know, look, this is beyond politics. I'm talking about morality here. You don't do Life. that. Life. It's life. You will not make it through life with many friends if that's your mantra, if that's your code of ethics. Um, and then secondly, uh, watch, and I'm going to say this right now here on your show, watch her numbers collapse. Because a lot of these people, apparently, they didn't learn their lesson from him in the state of Florida. They thought they read way too much in his victory, which was a big victory, 19 points. Unfortunately, it didn't, would never have come without Donald Trump. And now he is getting to the point where he is hurting himself so badly in his own state that it, look at what is happening to him. Uh, state legislatures, legislators are bouncing on him. The assembly, the Republican assembly passed a resolution to, to, to call on him to end his uh, campaign, come home and do his job. This total <laughs> right. humiliation, folks. They're pretending this doesn't, isn't a big deal. This doesn't happen in politics, ladies and gentlemen, to a sitting governor. Mm -hmm. And he's going to go back as a lame duck governor with no respect. There's a new speaker who's MAGA. He's Cuban and from South Florida. He's not playing with this guy. All right. So he's making it so it's going to be difficult on the people of Florida and didn't learn his lesson. Same thing with Kim Reynolds. The minute Kim Reynolds, again, she said she was going to be neutral. And voters in Iowa, who we speak to all the time, knew or knew that she said she would be neutral and the That's minute exactly she started right. the minute she started appearing with DeSantis and campaigning against the front runner who they love her numbers began to tank that's not rich barris's opinion all right so save your what a grifter tweets all right like get a job all right get a job support a family find a woman look for love you know i mean get full in the heart here praise jesus figure something out better to do with your life because the fact is even Morning Consult, who was more favorable to her than like Emerson, very clearly showed that the moment she did that is when her numbers imploded. She is now the most unpopular governor in the country, according to Morning Consult. And and by the way, well, Spencer Kimball at um, Emerson College has her numbers even worse. And she was did, it, it's unbelievable. You know, I mean, I well, don't know did, how these did, people don't learn. Well, you talked about this this like narrative now, like this fake narrative that one, what DeSantis and Kim Reynolds you know, are doing right now is not hurting them because clearly, clearly it is. And you just outlined how. But did you, you see this Marquette points poll in his own state? Yeah. I know, I know. It's like you see the Mar Marquette poll came out. Have you seen it? It's like I so. Have. Guy Benson, Guy Benson comes out. He said this scene is the gold standard in Wisconsin. Test oh hypothetical God, stop, twenty. Stop, stop. No, it's not. No, it's not anymore. <laughs> it is, hasn't been the gold standard since 2012. Stop it. Stop. This is why? This is why I have. Hey, this is why Savage Rich is on this show, folks. He, he's so, savage, and, and he's got been, he's got hot takes. Been. We have what's called polling tranches where we don't tell people what we think a poll is bad or not. We simply tell them what tranche they're in, whether or not they've been bullish or bearish on certain candidates and whether they're in or out of the consensus. They have been in left field this entire cycle. I'm talking about way out of the consensus, even more so than CNN and some of the other polls that have long time been so unfavorable to Trump. Um, they had Hillary winning Wisconsin by six. They had Biden winning it by like eight. I mean, get out of here. They're not the gold standard anymore. They haven't been for many years. Let's cut the crap, guy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Stay so, in your lane, guy. Let me, Stay in your lane. Let me let me ask you about these numbers. So you have uh, they got the presidential race one year out. And again, I think this narrative that they're trying to push of anybody but Trump, it's it's fake. It's AstroTurf. It's not real, like many things in the no. media. Uh, but the Biden, presidential race one year out, Biden 50, Trump 48, Biden 48, DeSantis 50, Biden 44, Haley 53. And this is what I've seen. I've seen them. Now it seems like DeSantis is kind of 
is kind of done, right? It really does feel it, it does seem like donors are moving away. The media, yeah. the media narrative once had him as some sort of savior of the Republican Party. They're kind of breaking contact as well. And I think there are certainly some DeSantis donors who have migrated to Nikki Haley. And now this the media types are saying, well, look at the margin that Nikki Haley has over Biden and Trump is down. What do you make of all that? Well, let me start with the DeSantis and the Marquette poll. First of all, they, again, they've been outside, way outside of the consensus. So we're wrong. The New York Times is wrong. Harvard is wrong. Uh, you know, uh, Susquehanna is wrong. Uh, Rasmussen is wrong. I mean, literally every poll. CNN is wrong. Fox is wrong. They're right. Okay. So, I mean, it's like literally if you go to the RCP average right now, you will see that clearly what happened with DeSantis's numbers, which started stronger against Biden, is the margins would fall because he wasn't known as well as he's known now. And as people got to know him more, he collapsed. And you know, the Marquette poll is an outlier. There is no, it has been an outlier the entire cycle. With Nikki Haley, we poll, we haven't polled her recently, and we, sh we will, but this is the same thing. She's generic. Nobody knows who she is. But, Sean, the minute they find out about her neocon habits, her interventionist exactly. policies, she's cooked. I, I feel like, again, people haven't learned anything since 2016. And we would argue all the time back then because it remi what, what is happening now with these polls reminds me of Jeb Bush. And Donald Trump was the weakest candidate in Pennsylvania, the weakest candidate in Wisconsin, the weakest candidate in Michigan, the weakest candidate in Ohio, Iowa. And when we look back, we look at you know this one year out mark where people are still looking at some of these candidates as generic. And you have to ask yourself, which one of those Rust Belt states was Jeb Bush really going to win? Which one of those Rust Belt states was Ted Cruz really going to win? We know how these kinds of Republicans perform in these states. They don't just go down, brother. They go down. You know, I mean, it That's could be six, 12 so points in, in Wisconsin. In your state, in Pennsylvania, somebody like Nikki Haley will probably lose by 10 or more points, at least. I mean, they're, they're not going to vote for her. Um, and again, it's a generic issue right now. This is an old trick. This is it's for the donors and it's not for you. And I hate to say it, but Marquette's been so crazy this year. Uh, I don't know where to come up with. It. I mean, folks, just to give you an idea, Marquette poll had DeSantis up by two when the real clear politics average had Trump up by nearly 20 points. So when Trump started his surge and Fox News was finding Trump plus 18, you know, and then Morning Consult was Trump plus 23. Morning the Marquette poll dropped the Trump plus two. I mean, uh, DeSantis plus two nationally, not in Wisconsin, nationally. I mean, they're they're out in left field, brother. They are. And they've had some really bad misses. In the last, God, six, eight years now, they are not the gold standard. I, I'm, I'm just not going to let that, that continue any longer. And they're no more the gold standard than Quinnipiac or, or Monmouth <laughs> University. I mean, they may have an A on five turd fake. But that isn't an A for accuracy. <laughs> All right. Well, let me. OK, listen, I'm going to do a 60 second ad read and I'm going to bring you right back uh, for the cool. rest of the show. But speaking of the gold standard, right, so I'll be right back, Rich. Give me 60 seconds. Uh, Bidenomics is not working. The U.S. dollar is losing value and your hard earned savings are at risk. You can act now before it's too late with one straightforward, entirely legal tax loophole. Contact my friends at American Alternative Assets for a free wealth protection guide. Learn how to safeguard your wealth from a failing dollar and volatile markets with gold and silver IRAs. Dial 833, the number 2 USA Gold. That's 833-287-2465 or visit protectfrombiden.com because we all know that Joe Biden sucks and he's crushing your ability to make a living. Uh, this invaluable guide will outline the precise steps you need to take immediately to transfer your IRA or 401k into precious metals, all without any tax consequences because why is it our patriotic duty to pay taxes? I hate it when people say that. You should try to save as much money as humanly possible and keep it from the government so they don't spend it on like underwater basket weave or things like that. So call 833, the number two USA gold. That's 833-287-2465 or visit protectfrombiden.com because we all need protection from that senile old man uh, because he just sucks real bad. Okay, let's bring back Rich. Um, I want to ask Rich about Ohio. Um, okay, so if we have that image for Ohio, can we go ahead and throw that up there? I want to talk people through this. Yeah. Okay, so check this out. Yeah. So how is it? How is it that Ohio is a is a R or Trump? Actually, no, a Trump plus eight uh, state. Uh, 
And now it's it's certainly, most certainly now with the victory of J.D. Vance and then going into 2024, it's going to be a Trump yep. dub, double-digit state. Yes. This election cycle was Biden plus two. How yes. does something like that happen? This is turnout. This is exactly what I'm talking about. It was smart for uh, Democrats to put marijuana on the ballot along with the abortion issue. But actually, you could see the early vote where issue one really came out ahead. But as Election Day vote came in, it was a little bit more Republican. They actually, those kind of Trump Republicans do support legalized marijuana. Many of them do anyway. Um, you know, they're very working class. They're like, look, you poisoned me with Purdue Pharma, Oxycontin. Don't tell me I can't smoke a bone, you know? So um, this <laughs> <laughs> so this is what those very like vanilla Republican establishment people get. And they're, you know, the, the pro-life movement has been ineffective at being able to turn out their voters. And it used to be reversed, Sean. I mean, it used to be when you had these kind of issues, Republicans would have the value voter advantage, like in 04, which helped Bush get reelected. But now that's not the case. And this is very indicative. As soon as I saw Ashtabula, Trumbull, Mahoning, and then out west with Wood County, I mean, you could see it clear as day. The Trump, Obama, Trump vote and the new Trump vote was not there. And let me tell you, people, this exit poll is probably wrong. Because in my, my business, the research is very clear. When the president is unpopular, people lie to the exit pollster and people who poll like me uh, over the phone or online. This is an exit poll on, on, you know, conducted for the election. They lie because, Sean, they're embarrassed to say that they voted for an unpopular guy. It's like, <laughs> not me. I'm not the one who's causing hellfire in the Middle East. It wasn't me. No, I'm not responsible for that inflation. It wasn't me. I'm, it's not my fault you can't afford eggs. Uh, I voted for Trump, okay? They lie <laughs> or they say other or something. And we know the other vote wasn't that big. So they're lying. So it's truth be told, a bigger Biden advantage likely than that exit poll even shows. So you know, again, all the hot takes last night. Oh, Trump just killed us again. Two yeah. months ago, <laughs> Trump told the party Republicans don't know how to talk about abortion. His exactly. Act him for it. Let's come on. It's like they they pretend like we all have very short memories, brother. All right. They attack exactly. him for it. And on, you know, I mean, looking at that, can he win? Can he win Ohio now? If if you signed a six week abortion ban, can you win the state of Ohio? No. Absolutely not. No, I mean, this is exactly right. I mean, DeSantis's, DeSantis's position on a six-week abortion ban is untenable in a general election. And Done. as you mentioned, the hot takes. You had all these you know, so-called journalists who spent 20 freaking years studying politics but can't seem to get out of the beltway mentality who are, who are one, blaming Trump, and in, in the same breath saying that it's also because of abortion. Well, though, you can't have it both ways. Right. You can't because Trump actually approached the abortion issue with a nuanced and and sensitive approach. Right. A very general yeah. election type approach and was crucified uh, by it, by his Republican primary opponents like Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. I think Ron DeSantis even ran ads against him. And so if you're going if you're going to say that uh, Republicans need better messaging on abortion, wouldn't then the fault of this loss, say, on issue one in Ohio, fall at the feet of people like DeSantis and these other people in the primary and not on President Trump? Yeah, um, without a doubt. And this is what, unfortunately, the consulting class has done to candidates like Ron DeSantis for years. They try, they want to work with the Bob Vander Plattses, and nothing against him, but right. there used to be a model to win Iowa, you know, even though you know I'm no fan, but there used to be a model to win <laughs> Iowa, and they throw the Iowa Hail Mary, which makes you wholly unelectable everywhere else. You know, it didn't get much fanfare, but Nikki Haley's campaign manager sent out a memo to donors and media, and I got it. And they made a really good point. Let's say Ron DeSantis pulls out a miracle and, and, and scores an upset. It wouldn't even be a big one, but let's say he does. He goes on to New Hampshire and gets crushed. He goes on to Nevada and gets crushed. He goes on to South Carolina and gets crushed. Even if he was to win somehow at a convention floor fight, he cannot win a general now that he's done this. And she, they laid out the history. It's one. They are right. There is no debate over this. 
if you push somebody to that far to do the Iowa Hail Mary, they don't win the presidencies in the modern time. And um, it, forget about it. They won't make it past New Hampshire, brother. You know, so it's been the people who play that caucus kind of wisely and then move on and try to bounce out of it and, uh, you know, do better than expected. And then bounce out of it, get into New Hampshire, win that, you know, use that to go to South Carolina. But this time, actually, Nevada's before South Carolina, where Trump is going to win. Nobody expects anybody but Trump to win. So her point is, there really is no path, even after that. It's a dead-end campaign. And it's hard to argue with their their mentality. And then again, that's not the people's pundits. uh, I'm talking about the memo that the Haley campaign sent out. And it's hard to argue with because nobody like me could go back and point to a recent example. George W. Bush won the Iowa caucus, but even George W. Bush, I mean, first of all, it's not 2000 anymore. Okay, that's number one. All right, it's 23 years later. We'll be 24 (laughs) years later. You know, by the time we get there, it's not the same Uh, in the modern day with the electorates and how we know them to be. You know, that that's that six week abortion ban, which I had insight into um, an advisor that was a friend of mine, strongly advised him not to do that. You know, and they needed something to help him uh, differentiate himself from Trump in Iowa. And he said, don't do it. You're dead. You're dead. If you do that, he did it. And by the way, that friend don't work for them anymore. He left never back down. Wow. Well, so, so, okay, so let's. Let's move on to Kentucky real quick. Cameron Bashir. Uh, now you heard yep. my take on that. Uh, this is yep. this is I saw from Amuse on on Twitter. You know, you had 125,000 Republicans show up to the polls to vote for the Republican Attorney General, but to fail to vote for the GOP governor. Now the, you know, it says suspicious, and and frankly, to me, is you know, the top of the ticket always gets more votes than people who are underneath them. But you heard my take on Kentucky leading into this. Like, yes. Cameron lost to who was a popular incumbent. The reality is, is Bashir comes from a, a political dynasty, right? A very political family is independently wealthy, is popular because he's a really good liar. In uh, Kentucky, even though it's an R plus like 30, uh, manages to elect Democrat governors fairly often. So that race between Cameron and Bashir, I believe was 51-47. So pretty close of a race, but Republicans won down ballots. So it's not all doom and gloom there either. But give me your take uh, yeah. on on what happened in Kentucky. It's a little bit misleading how that's worded, although I get what he's saying. The truth is yeah, the, the yeah. vote is really only separated by about 20,000, and that's kind of normal. So, you know, there's 150,000 if it was a true, you know, 125, 150 undervote. That would be a little bit crazy, but that's not what it is. I have to say this. Again, you know, but let me preface what I'm about to say with saying— Kentucky in the last half century only ever elected two Republican governors. None of them ever got a second term. Uh, when Bevin, who everyone wow. said was a terrible Trump-like candidate, right? Bevin came <laughs> real remember. close, one point from being the only Republican in the entire half century to get a second term. I mean, that was pretty dang close. Um, there was also the I said 17 million last night and today on my show, you put the graphic up. I'm actually wrong. He was outspent by more than 17 million. The RGA, uh, again, it did nothing to help him the way they have. They're useless. And it was uh, Doug Ducey. Now it's Kim Reynolds. Speaking of which, uh, they have not done anything to help these candidates. And then there's something else. Before I get into the last one, which may not be a popular take, but I, I think I'm right. I think I'm tr- I think I'm right about this. Um, the other thing is that what the president said about the stench of Mitch McConnell, that's a big problem. And it was, and everyone's polling knows that to be true. And then finally, <laughs> this is not going to be popular, but it's not the margin, okay? So I'm not saying you would have won, but I think I can clearly see from the counties, there are some Southern white Democrats in ancestral Democratic counties that vote Republican at the presidential level, often do at the senatorial level, but uh, vote Democrat at the state level. And Eastern Kentucky had quite a bit of them. There was some out in the West, and they didn't take to Cameron, if you get what I'm saying. All right, these are people who still have Democratic registrations next to their name. Um, I think I know why, because I've seen this as as an election uh, observer for years. I've seen this in a couple states uh, here and there. You know, they'll vote for you for AG. But once you get up to the governor's ticket, 
You know, I don't know. It's a long history there. Again, I don't think it's the margin, Sean, but I think some that played some role. Uh, but mm-hmm. at the end of the day, Andy Bashir was a popular governor, and he was the most popular Democrat in a red state. So think about that. We were just talking about Morning Consult with Kim Reynolds. Well, Morning Consult, just before the election, updated their governor's ratings, and they said, look, Cameron made a dent. The mailers that went out that showed— uh, you know, I'm endorsed by Trump. He's a, a fan of Biden. They had some effect largely by pushing Trump voters back into his camp, but it wasn't enough. It was still about 20 percent who said they would vote for Bashir and that is uh, or have a favorable opinion of him. That's tough to overcome. And I said during the primary, no matter who wins, it's going to be difficult. But I thought Cameron had the best chance. I think Kelly Kraft would have been demolished by Andy Bashir. At the now that I'm looking at where these votes came from, uh, the counties that five counties that we picked that we told people to look out for, uh, they 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 did their job well, and they showed us that Bashir had strength in certain rural counties that some Democrats like him uh, can get. You know, we see this in North Carolina, Governor Roy Cooper. I don't think he could win re-election again, but he runs as a sufficiently conservative Democrat until he just like they always take the mask off in the second term, Sean. Right? They always <laughs> take the mask off in the second term. But uh Forrest, who the RGA abandoned as well in 2020, barely lost to Cooper. Barely. And if you're a Southern Democrat and you pretend to be conservative, you can make it. Um, you know, and but again, there's a big role of the RGA here that we we really can't let go. They screwed a lot of people in 20, in 22. They screwed even more. And then they didn't, you know, it's literally their job to get Republicans elected, Sean. If right. they're not doing that or giving it, they didn't send a dime of the 17 million they promised Kerry Lake. They didn't help David Ka- Daniel Cameron. So if they're not doing their job, why is anyone giving them money? I agree. So, okay, so Where's get this, Rich. I agree. So listen, I've got six minutes left. We're going to do a lightning round, try to do two minutes on each of these yeah. topics. Cause I, 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 Pennsylvania, voting machines go down in Northampton, Lehigh County. Obviously, the margin there was irregular. I'm not insinuating anything, but aren't you just aren't you just tired of this? I mean, how the, it's like Groundhog's Day every single election day, isn't it? It's irregular. Um, you know, I got to be honest and just give people a few numbers here. Okay, 2020, very indicative of how Erie County and Northampton always vote very closely. Joe Biden, 49.8%. Donald Trump, 48.8%. That's Erie County. Now, all the way to the east in Northampton, Joe Biden, 49.8%. Donald Trump, 49.1%. I mean, we're talking about an almost identical margin, Sean. Go back to 2016. You'll see Erie County, of which Trump did win, 48.6% for Trump, 46 0.99 for Hillary Clinton. But then if you go to Northampton, um, there, uh, Northampton, Trump, 49.9%, Hillary, 46.2%. If you go to Toomey's race, you'll see the same thing. If you go to races Republicans lost statewide, you'll see the same thing. Then never this different. She carried Erie County and she lost Northampton by what, 15, 17 points at this point? I got to look and check what the latest Right. Stuff. Yes. And she it's was like 15 ahead. points. This is what people, this is what give people pause. Erie County and Northampton were almost identical with the early vote break. She began the election day breaks with the same margin to start to catch up. When it was about 70% in Erie, she took the lead and then they went back and forth a little bit and she edged them out. When they got to 67% in Northampton, it was the same three-point margin that Erie had been before they hit 70%. That never updated. And she never took that lead. And then it went screwy. They readjusted and said they counted votes wrong, yes or no. And they had to look and see what the, the, the card said was the voters' original intent. And then it was reshuffled, Sean, to some crazy margin that did not at all resemble what it had been. Maybe there is a good reason. But the incompetence is leading to a perception that they are fudging elections. Let's be, come on. If this happened in Russia, if this happened in another country, the U.S. State Department would send out a press release and say, you can't do this. It doesn't look good. Something smells. I think 100%. Putin's stealing the election. They did it to Ahmadinejad. 
They did. I remember. I'm old enough. Ahmadinejad had stopped the counting, and then um, the challenger's hometown was readjusted about 19 points, just like that. The State Department went nuts and said this is clear fraud. Ahmadinejad is stealing the election, and uh, you know we we denounce it. Here it happens. It's a whoopsie. You know, every time there's a whoopsie, come on. Are you kidding me? How do you miscount that many votes? Rich, I, I agree. I agree. I, I couldn't agree it. with you more, man. I, I, it's, it's, it's unbelievably frustrating. Continues to happen in Pennsylvania. It doesn't bode confidence in the American people, specifically the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, deserves a hell of a lot better than what they're getting. Okay, two, you got two minutes now. Two minutes. Take me to 555. Tell me about Mississippi. Tate Reeves uh, won for governor there in Mississippi over Brandon Presley, who is actually related to Elvis Presley. 51-47, fairly significant margin. Tell me what you know. Tell me what your take is. You know, apparently, and I didn't know this going into it, I got a story. um, There was a tightening, a real tightening of this race. Uh, They did think it was because of some of the abortion issue. Trump came in, which the media is never going to tell you about, did a uh, tele-rally forum, started making calls or whatever, uh, helped him out, and it buffered uh, his margin, apparently. But it tells the tales. Like, weird low turnout, Sean. He wins Marshall County, which no Republican wins. Even Trump didn't win, and it came close, but he, he didn't. And then uh, underperforms in some other places, like Biloxi, because of low turnout, like we were talking about. Uh, Presley put up a hell of a fight. He did. I mean, netting out the votes he did in Hine County, where Jefferson is a big deal. It's impressive. It never should have been that way. Never should have been that way. And uh, it was. So turnout being so, you know, so low can sometimes make for weird results. But it tells me county by county by county, Democrats get their votes out in these low turnout elections at a greater rate than Republicans do. And same deal in Mississippi. That should not have happened, brother. That should not have happened. I mean, look, you're. Look, a couple takeaways for the people who are watching this show. A couple takeaways. Republicans need better messaging on yes. abortion, more nuanced, sensitive messaging on abortion. Donald Trump is not a drag on down ballot candidates. Republicans need to ratchet no up way. their fundraising and get a better turnout model. I mean, these these four things need to be the priority of the Republican National Committee and folks like Ronna McDaniel need to be focused on them exclusively in order to win elections. So, Rich, you've been with us for 45 minutes. I wish the show was two hours to talk to you for that long but tell everyone i think we've got you know several hundred people almost 600 people watching live and more on red voice media as well on their feed tell everyone where they can find you best places on locals we're everywhere sean but the best place the hub is on locals peoplespundit.locals.com uh go check out the maps we got all the links to the maps there we had a six hour marathon live coverage for locals yesterday it was great um so yeah get him you know what my voice and sean joined us ladies and gentlemen i did Thank god my voice needed a break um <laughs> but yeah peoplespundit.locals.com is by far the best place to follow me well, Rich, as always, I mean, your insight into all this is invaluable. We love having you. Uh, give give my best to the savage and amazing Laura Barris and Absolutely. thank her for allowing you to spend some <laughs> thank, thank you, Laura, for giving us Rich and a lot. I know you got little kids, so this is precious time. So, but thank you, Rich, uh, for joining us. And we'll be talking to you soon. Um, thanks, Rich. All the best, my friend. See you soon. <laughs> See you, Laura. Take care. Behind um, the okay, everybody. So you made it through the full hour. If you've made it through the full hour, we got a couple minutes left. I want to make sure that you like this video. Uh, Rumble notices that stuff. And the more they notice, the better quality content we can bring you. Also, make sure that you go follow People's Pundit on Rumble and subscribe to his Locals page. I do think that he's the best pulser in the business. Uh, and if you're watching from Red Voice, Come on over here to Battleground Live. Subscribe to this channel. And if you're in the trenches here uh, with Parnell's platoon, go over to Red Voice Media and subscribe there as well. Conservatives need to be united to face the radical extremist Democrats who, again, as you all know, they're an existential threat to this country. We need to be united in purpose. Um, So, as always, thank you all for watching this show. We gave you the full rundown, uh, the inside scoop on what happened last night and what Republicans can do 
moving forward. But thank you all for watching. Again, thank you, Savage Rich Barris, for joining us and his amazing and savage wife, Laura. Uh, but God bless you all. Uh, oh, up next, uh, up next, Drew Burquist from 6 to 9 on Red Voice. So if you're looking for more content, he's an amazing conservative host. Go over there and check him out. Uh, he's a great guy. Uh, he's up next. But as always, thank you for watching. Thank you for being in the trenches. I will see you tomorrow at 5 o'clock. God bless you all, and God bless this amazing country that we call home. Take care. Good night. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at Viking.com.